everyone. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing great, mate. Summer is here. Oh, man, I, I knew it was summer because you walked in with your Speedos on. <laughs> well, that's, that's a different podcast. I, I haven't listened to it yet. And thank God it's not a video cast. Uh, I tell you what, though, coming to America, summer is a lot different over here than the UK. Um, you guys get out of school really early, <laughs> like you know February or whatever it is. <laughs> you say you guys like you've only been over here a few weeks. <laughs> you guys over here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, but yeah, it's different over there. It is because uh, over here, what kids get out around mid-May. Yep, mid-May, sometimes late May. When I was growing up, it was always like. End of June, early July. Really? Yeah, and you would only get you get six weeks, but that was it. Yeah, it was early June when I graduated. Wow, high school. Yeah, but now my kids got out mid May. It's crazy. No, you know what was uh, also I love about America? Sweet tea. <laughs> uh, sweet. Tea. Who makes the best sweet tea? Let's talk about that. Okay, uh, got a, got a funny story, but uh-huh. my, I think my I'm, wife makes the best sweet tea. Okay. Um, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to get in trouble with her because uh, she makes a mean sweet tea. Yeah. But I'm into Milo sweet tea. Are you familiar with Milo sweet tea? Uh, I don't want to name drop. Okay. But when I was at Amy Grant's house. <laughs> I don't want to name drop. But when I was hanging out with Amy... But when I was there, she had this amazing sweet tea. And I said, this tastes like my wife's. And she goes, it's Milo's. I said, what's Milo's? And she got this jug out, and you can get it from regular grocery stores. And it is like straight-up home sweet tea. I'm going to look for this today. Milo's. Milo's. And you know what? Changed my life this week. This week, Alders have started carrying it. No, I was just at Aldi's last night. Yeah. Come on. Aldi's have started carrying I'm gonna go Milo's. It out. All right. You will love it. I love it. Sweet. Make sweet sure you get the red label. It's sweet. You know, I usually don't get it, but I'm, I'm hardly even at McDonald's, but um, they have a pretty good sweet tea. For, yeah. For, you know, it's honestly not too bad, but I'm, I bet you our guest today, I bet you she makes some mean She's from sweet down tea. south. I mean, yeah. So. You going to introduce her or you want me to? Go ahead. All right. We have got Holly Brown on today. Yes. Holly... Uh, is the wife of Chris Brown, who we had on earlier. Season season. one. Season one. And uh, she actually was my boss. I talk about it, but she hired me at Crosspoint. Uh, And now, boy, I'm I'm not going to go into it because... She's, she is one of the best leaders I've ever worked under and also been able to follow a journey um, to where she's now doing this remote executive pastor role, which intrigues me it's fascinating yeah i i really enjoyed our conversation with with her i've followed her on on social media for a, for a long time and she is gifted yeah and she's just a gifted communicator and leader and she has a lot of wisdom to share yeah. it's gonna be good especially so, for you ladies out there who feel called to do things absolutely she really hits on on women in ministry and things like that it's not all about that um but she definitely hits on that. So why don't you sit back and relax, grab a cup of tea, coffee. Or sweet tea. Sweet tea. And enjoy this conversation with Holly Brown. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Holly Brown has been an executive leader in churches for 12 years. She is currently an executive pastor and teacher for Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. She and her husband, Chris, are also in the middle of planting the Well Church in their hometown of Columbia, Tennessee. 
When Holly is not teaching or leading, she spends her time running their small hobby farm, which I'm fascinated by, um, where she's attempting to reinvent herself as a farm wife. But her favorite role of all is being a mom to three teenagers and a wife to Chris, who was a previous guest on Revival Town Podcast, both of which keep her life full of competition, sarcasm, and laughter. Holly Brown, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang with us today. Oh my goodness. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Well, I just want to say up front, sorry, we had Chris on before you. I apologize. Right. I get a little offended by that sometimes. <laughs> He's like the beautiful man that like, I always tell him you walk in a room and everybody wants you. And I'm like, I've been slaving away doing this year after year after year. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, oh man, I'm just kind of sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I tell them it's what you get when you're a pretty face. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> the pretty face. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, m- many may not know, Holly uh, was my boss uh, when I was at Crosspoint down in Nashville. Um, uh, Holly was uh, the person who contacted me. Uh, originally was uh, looking at some of the campus pastor positions uh, and then I started talking about dream centers and outreach and how to, you know, reinvent outreach in churches. And she was like, I've got a few more interviews for you to have. And I think I ended up having eight interviews on that one day. I was like running all over. Um, but it was an honor to serve uh, with Holly uh, and the team at Crosspoint at that time, uh, taking the chance of bringing this kid from uh, Illinois to Nashville um, but I, I absolutely loved it. Even though I was only there, I think it was six months, something like that. Uh, I learned so much that has literally changed the face at Dream Center, which is what I'm, I'm running now on team dynamics and staff culture and, and everything that I learned that time. So Holly, thank you. Um, I would have had you on before, Chris, just let you know. Uh, but it was <laughs> Chuck that was... No, I'm just... <laughs> And plus, what? it's the black mark. I'm kidding. What are you My talking about? Is awesome. I'm kidding. I, I, I don't blame you at all. Um, so today, we thought we would dive into the world of, of Holly Brown and, and more importantly, also women in ministry. Um, Holly is, um, has been around the uh, executive church role for many years um, at some of the most predominant churches in America and um, obviously with being on a role like that but then also being uh, a lady it's different uh, and and she would she would vouch for that so today we're going to unpack that world um, and Chuck we are going to get into the farm and all, right. all of that all right he's more inter- interested in that no I'm joking he's not some of the farm sightings <laughs> There you go. <laughs> we can talk farm the whole time. I'm up for anything, fellas. Well, didn't you just have a bit of a celebrity at the farm? Did we see a picture? We did. We just um, literally had Luke Bryan and Jordan Davis shot their new um, video for By Dirt, which the song just came out last week. And um, yeah, they came. It was literally uh, like a hundred person staff. Um that came and and shot that video with them so it was awesome man could you imagine that like because you have got a beautiful property like you tell it okay let's go there right before we get into the church stuff (laughs) tell us a bit life on the farm because this is all this was all new when i was in nashville you were living in franklin and then you moved out to this farm tell us a bit about it because it is beautiful oh thank you well it's it's be- it's the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I will say that <laughs> it's a two hundred year old farm. So if you come to see it, you you're definitely seeing old rustic um, houses with no closets, six and a half foot ceilings, and my husband's six two. So you know some days it's not as beautiful to us as others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Um, uh, got, we've just been spending literally five years renovating this um, this place, and uh, it it's literally just been such honestly um, a re- restoration process for our own minds and our own hearts and our own souls as well. Um, so while 
while physically it's been a ton of work, it's actually rejuvenated us uh, for ministry, for what God's called us to do. And I think we just needed a physical picture of restoring something because our souls needed restored when we got here. And um, so I feel like what we've been doing with our hands is just a picture of what God's been doing in our hearts. Um, and so it's it's really for us, it's just so dear to us because it, sh- it just reminds us that that um, while we were working with our hands, God was healing and restoring and putting a new vision in us. And so we're, we're very biased about it, but, um, <laughs> but we love it here. And after five years of some really hard work, I think some other people are starting to think, oh, this is actually beautiful. Now I can see what you guys saw. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful. And I've, I've scrolled Instagram and seen all the, the pictures and photos and what you guys have done. And it's phenomenal. And, and the decor, just everything. You guys did a great job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, let's let's touch a bit on what you said um, about the what you did with the farm was also the outward of what was going on inward uh, restoration. Um, give us a bit of of your journey, um, perhaps even before Crosspoint, how how you got through, um, you know, this executive world, so to speak, this church world. Give us just a bit about if someone was meeting Holly Brown for the first time. What's your story? Certainly. So um, I will try and give you the the shortened version of this. But my story, um, so I was actually a nurse by trade. And um, in 2008, my, my, no, 2006, excuse me, my father passed away and he had been sick since he was 37 years old, had been given six months to live when I was a 12-year-old little girl. And uh, I went into nursing school wanting to help him figure things out with him. He had a brain tumor at the time that no one had really heard of. Um, and although he's only given six months to live, he lived for another 12 years. But every six months, they would tell us at Duke University, you, you will never make it another six months. We don't know how you're still here. I hope you have your affairs in order. I hope your family's ready. And that just came with a lot of, you know, pre-separation where you kind of already grieve someone who's still here. Yeah. And so that caused all kinds of dynamics growing up for as a teenage girl. Uh, but I did go to nursing school and my father passed away in 2006. He collapsed at home. He was the first patient that I ever lost, uh, did CPR on him and so it really ended with this, honestly, this gruesome ending to what had already been a, a very long journey for my family. And um, and we had slowly watched him lose his mind and his body. All that to say, right after he died, my husband and I walked into a church plant, um, honestly, just not wanting to face people in our grief that knew us and had watched us in this journey. And I was grieving so, I was grieving my dad as a, as a little girl. I was grieving failure as a nurse, you know, replaying every mistake that I made in his final moments. And so I just wanted to be anonymous. And so we found this little church plant in Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation Church. <laughs> and we walked in when they had about 50 people, maybe maybe 75 people. Wow. And uh, we just walked in there needing a place that nobody knew us. Um, and in that, in, that, in that space, God just met me there in my grief. Um, he showed me that he saw every bit of pain that we had been through for the last 12 years. He knew what was going on. He hadn't abandoned us. He didn't abandon me in those last few moments. And, and, and in that time, at the same time, God was just lighting a fire in us that life is short. Your dad's life was short. My husband had already buried two of his parents. So in, in our first 10 years of marriage, we buried three parents under the age of all of them, the oldest lived to be 54. So we just had this, like, we're in, we're about to come on our thirties and like, life is so short. Like this is our last good decade, you know, according to our parents. So, so it just lit this fire in us. Then you couple that with what God was doing through Elevation Church and, and um, Pastor Stephen Furtick at the time. And I, in just the intersection of all of that, just lit a fire in my husband and I that we want to leave everything, everything on the line for Jesus in this world. And that's just been a fire that hasn't gone out no matter what we've experienced in the church, no matter what we've been through that fire, that life is short. And we know it because we've buried people we love at very young ages um, and God is doing something. And we got to see God do something through elevation. It wasn't uh, long after that. My husband was hired on staff as their first campus pastor. And then uh, we 
not too long after that, we moved to a potential church in Miami, Florida. And uh, we both started working there at a campus. We saw God take that campus from about 40 people to 1,100 people in like 18 months. It was something crazy. But we had just, we knew nothing. We knew nothing about ministry. He was a real estate agent and I was a nurse. All we knew is, well, we saw him do this at Charlotte. We had no idea that, you know, Stephen Furtick was going to end up being Steve, who he is today and God was going to do what he was doing. So we were like, well, he did that. Surely he'll do that for uh, us. The harvest can you come plentiful. to Peoria? <laughs> but we were so ignorant. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. That's literally what I said. And we're here to labor. And yeah. so, like, surely God's going to do something fabulous. And he did. And he did something that we had never seen before. And that fire just kept burning and burning. And so um, it was there at that church. Um, God, God, it, God gave us a leader, a lead pastor that really believed in, in part. He always said, I want to partner with people to reach their full potential in Christ. And he said, and I can never, no matter what any denomination tells me, look at a couple and say, the husband is called to this, but the wife you're not because you're a female. And so I didn't realize what boundaries and walls he was breaking for me at that time. I didn't realize what he was pioneering for me. Um, all I knew was he believed that I had potential too. And I was like, sweet. And I do. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove that he is right. And I'm going after this, but we're in Miami. So I had moved out of the Bible belt. So I didn't even realize like, Oh, like you couldn't, I couldn't have done that in Charlotte. That wasn't, nobody was doing that at the time. And so he, I eventually um, went from like all women in ministry, being a children's director to, to, to then the next thing, but we all have to start as a children's director. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, guys get to start as like a youth director or canvas faster, but, but women, we start as children's directors. So, um, which is great. And I, I think it was a wonderful position. It taught me so much about ministry and leadership. And so I started there and worked my way um, into being an executive pastor and honestly saw where God just used my skill of nursing, the ability to be able to look at something that's 98% healthy and say, oh, that 2% is actually what's keeping the rest of your body from functioning at full capacity. And so I started to see that even in the church and realize like, oh, this part of us is what, so I kind of became like the nurse of the hurting departments. And honestly, I'm not overly skilled. It's honestly, Andy, it's just what you said when I hired you. I was like, wait a minute, you know way more about me, uh, way more about this than I do. I need you over here because you know you're, you're skilled in this and you've got great wisdom and great intel that we need. And if we can release you to run inside the body of Christ, the body of Christ is going to flourish and blossom and more people are going to be helped um, in our world. And so um, that's really just the way it's been, it been for me. So I kind of bounced around from department to department, not knowing at the time that God was just giving me a wealth of experiences in different areas. And, um, and then we moved to Nashville. My husband took a job with Dave Ramsey. We moved to Nashville. And I really always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm not going to lie. Um, I just wanted to always be a stay-at-home mom if it wasn't for that dang fire that God just lit in me. Like, life is so short. you got to figure out how to stay awake 18 hours a day and do all of it. Oh. <laughs> and so... Um, and so we moved to we moved to Nashville, and that was like okay, I'm staying home. And um, and then um, we walked the, into the doors of Crosspoint, and um, that just you know same thing. God captured my heart, and um, some areas where He could take what um, I felt like He had showed me in Miami about reaching people who are very very far from God um, that are lost or generationally their parents didn't go to church, their grandparents didn't go to church. Jesus, who, who are you talking about? Um, and bring that back to the Bible belt where I had grown up. And I I felt like that was my call for the longest, uh, for the time while we were here in um, Nashville. And then, um, so that's that's kind of where, and then I started in executive leadership there. And now I'm doing that remotely. I've been doing that for four and a half years at Embrace Church in South Dakota. And that was kind of pioneering a new thing too until COVID hit and everybody's doing that. <laughs> but at the time people were like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. We're just experimenting. Don't copy us yet. Cause it may totally fail. <laughs> well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit for people. They may not even know what an executive pastor is. Uh, and then we'll add the remote side to it. But 
Just tell Absolutely. us a bit about the the executive pastor role within a church, especially a, a larger church like a cross point elevation potential place like that. Yeah, so I've only ever worked for like um, churches that have multiple campuses. And so as an executive pastor, what my role, executive pastor really can mean a lot of things depending on uh, what the lead pastor needs. It's kind of like that right-hand person that helps set strategy, that helps keep budget uh, going and, 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 you know, keep us out of, out of closing our doors because we can't pay our bills as well as, uh, managing in my, in my role, the church I've worked for. So I manage the campuses, the campus pastors and uh, release them to, to honestly help those campuses flourish in their communities and then set strategy for just all the different ministries in the church. So church, uh, for children, students, groups, uh, outreaches, campuses, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and then, and then keep the budget kind of in control as well. So, okay. So like, I lean like- on my husband a lot for the budget side. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not going to sit here and act like I like to do all that. I usually say, babe, here's what I'm thinking on. Can you please? Um, cause that's his, that's the side that he just absolutely loves. So, um, I always tell people you you get, you get all of me, but you always get a little bit of my husband too, when it comes to the budgeting. <laughs> that's good. Well, let's talk about you you serving in that role remotely for a moment, because uh, one of my close friends is, is Dave Mudd, who you guys know as your husband, was um, in an executive role remotely with, with him and, and the, the Hope oh, Collective. And during that time and talking to Dave, how that was going, um, our executive pastor moved from Illinois to Missouri. So we kept him in his role and he serves in a remote capacity as, as well. So can you maybe shed a little bit of light on how that has impacted your role serving from a different state? Yes, absolutely. It has, it, it's definitely helped me grow. I, I believe as, as a leader, I think I had an advantage in the church that first gave me this opportunity because it was a multi-site church. So they weren't used to seeing each other every day. So the fact that we're seeing each other on screen was already a part of their normal. And so it didn't seem as quite as far-fetched as if you just had one campus and everybody else sat in the meeting together except you. There were several people not in the meeting physically. And so so that part uh, was was a little bit normal for them. And I think for me, um, just learning how to to invest in people from away, like invest in them emotionally, invest in their leadership and where they're at uh, was a really big learning for me. But really, that's what I do. I sit on screen most of the time talking through talking through things with people, helping them um, work through their different areas of, of where they've kind of come to a dead end. But um, yeah, I lead I lead daily online uh, through through the screen and then I go out there about once a month and that's where a lot of the relational investment comes in and it kind of buys me the next three to four weeks of doing things on screen so we try really hard when I'm there in person to get a lot accomplished but mostly have fun together so that we trust each other we know each other we know we have each other's back um, gauge heavily outside of um you know, just into their lives, you know, so I know what their kids are doing and, and uh, where their families are at. So they know that, that I genuinely do care. And that is, um, that's, that's kind of what it's been like. It's, it's, it's really been uh, the relational side, I would say is the part that you have to work really hard for. Um, but I've got a great team and we've been doing it now for almost five years and wow. I believe we genuinely love and trust each other. We've been through some really hard stuff together and, um, it's it's we've just seen God keep showing up. So somebody asked me one time, hey, can you come speak at this conference and talk about pioneering remote executive leadership? Um, they said, as far as we can tell, there's only this is a few years ago. So before more people were doing it and they said, we think there's only about five people in the country doing it and at an executive level and in churches. And we believe you're the only female. And um, they said, can you come talk about it? And I'm like, well, I can talk about it. But the honest truth is, it's not like I had it on a vision board and said, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. I said, honestly, at the time that it came about in my my life, I was really hurting. And I actually wanted to, to step out of ministry and be done with it. And God so clearly said, um, but this is what I've called you to. And I've given you a love for my local church, but I understand your hurt and I understand your pain. And so I'm going to allow you 
to dip your toe back into this, mm. but give you a safe space. Yeah. So, so that for me was a safe way to do my, to work out my calling that God had given me. I wasn't ready to work for the church down the road that my kids were building relationships for and building, building their life at. I wasn't ready to, to be back in that. And so I laugh because I think why you feel like you're in the desert God's pioneering something. So people were calling me and saying, can you talk about pioneering? I'm like, I didn't pioneer anything. I was surviving my calling. That's it. That's it. So if you don't want me to say that, <laughs> I'm not your girl because I didn't, I didn't pioneer. I just was honestly surviving what I had been through and trying to get back on my feet at the same time, God was simultaneously doing something new, but I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that till three years later, you know? Well, let's, let's talk a bit about that because normally uh in this role executive pastor role it's normally a guy absolutely um tell us a little bit and and you know you can go full on on for really encouraging uh the females that are listening because this role is normally the, the the church that i just came from the executive pastor is a lady um but you don't see it a lot. Can you mm-hmm. can you just go into that world of the differences uh, and even some of the warnings uh, for that role as well? Oh, absolutely. So there's a lot of differences, and that's something that I feel like I've learned the hard way, and I've had to um, recover from even at times. And um, so, so there are a lot of differences. I think one of the biggest differences is the reason. There's a lot of reasons, I guess, that girls aren't typically in this role. A big part of it is just the, a lot of people don't believe a girl should be in the role. So that's there's a theological thing, and we can get into that a whole other day, a whole other podcast. But I got lots to say on that. <laughs> but we can get into that another day. Another reason is because lots of times the executive pastor is kind of the, it's the right hand. And so you end up being the person that they download all their stress to they, you know, the good old boys and they, they go, they go out to dinner afterwards or they go to lunches and they just, somebody that could just take, you know, and handle the good, the bad, the ugly. And, um, you know, it's the right hand and that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what, what as females, we, we have to understand is it just makes the role um, and no, no, no offense to any guy that works as an executive pastor, because my husband has for years and years, but I always tell him like, we have to be honestly that much better than you <laughs> because we don't get the relational side. And so, so as a female, when, when, um, not that we don't have a, a relationship, but I'm never going to be the good old boy. I'm never going to lunch. I'm never going to cross them. You know what I mean? Some yeah. of those boundaries that you have to have as a female. And so that keeps us from even, I remember when I've served as executive pastor with two other guys who were like all three of us were executive pastors they would go out after work together or they would go to lunch and i would never get you know invited to that and 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 not that i would even be able to i'm a mom i have to go i need to go home i need to get my kids i need to take them to their practices i need to do all those things that moms do and so then you find out the next day and you're kind of playing catch up. Oh, we decided this last night. Oh, we decided we're going to do this. We're just over dinner, you know? And so you're constantly at first kind of playing catch up on some of those things and, and learning like, Oh, I'm never going to be that person that can sit with you and, and debrief the day. And so I have to be really good in the hours that I give. I have to be on top of it. I can't waste time. Um, And that's why I say we have to be that much better because we have, we, we have to be, we can't, we don't get those, those good like shoulder to shoulder you know I'm your buddy kind of thing I can carry all this with you um and in the sense too something that I think people don't don't share a lot uh with us as women in this role it's just some of the the boundaries have to be different um and because women don't do it a lot I don't even know that the men know that the boundaries have to be a little bit different you know what I mean and so I remember when in Miami my husband was executive pastor and I just remember his lead pastor, our lead pastor at the time would call him midnight one, like stressed. I can't sleep. This is a big thing. That's Are you sure we're doing the right thing? Are you sure we should launch this canvas? Are you sure? I can't be that. You know, I can't, I, you can't call me at one o'clock in the morning when, you know, and so, um, so we have to, we, we just have to do it differently. And um, sometimes I feel like that just makes us that much, honestly, 
better during, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to commit. I'm going to be on top of it. I want to be on my A game and um, we're going to make some great, um, just, just good decisions, wise decisions um, for the church. And um, so I think that's where it kind of is a little bit different for the girls in, in that role. So, I mean, obviously there's a, this is kind of a um, talked about topic right now um, with Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Baptist Convention. A lot of people are trying to silence her. Have you experienced any kind of pushback because you're a female pastor? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I don't usually talk about it because I don't want, I just feel like to be completely frank, I'm a white female, like, and so life has not been difficult for me. So even to use the word discrimination sometimes makes me really uneasy because there's so many more people in America that have experienced discrimination at such a higher level than I have. But uh, absolutely in the church, have I experienced that? And, and I'm also really careful because I think sometimes we can, as I'll just say it in, in this context as church. <laughs> I've had some people tell me they've been discriminated against and I'm looking, I'm like, no, you're just not good at the role. <laughs> and so you can't yell that, you know, when, when it's like, no, you're I know why you're not in that role. Like, you know, and so, um, so, so I think you have to be careful with that, you know, yeah. and sometimes we're just not qualified and we're just not very good at it. Uh, but there are times that just uh, recently, I was asked to be on a school board for a private school and the the leader came and asked me, you know, I, I think you're you've got fabulous ideas, you're very strategic, would you be willing the school really needs some help and I think you'd be great and the board all voted for it and um they all unanimously wanted me on it. And so I was like, sure, I could do that. I mean it's a volunteer position, it's no big deal, right? And yet um when because it was a christian school the elders of the church had to sign off and because my i carry the the title pastor executive pastor um the church which is a non-denominational school the church said no we're not going to have her on the board of of a school board has nothing to do with church and i was like wait what and i felt so bad because the school board when they came to tell me was humiliated and they were embarrassed because honestly i could do anything else for my career and would not have been turned down for that. But because I love Jesus and I'm using my gifts to serve him, the church um, shut that down, which is totally fine. It was a, it was a volunteer role. I probably didn't have time for anyways, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but it just um, and shows I, it, that you know, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. That mentality. And we have a, like, we have a, we're planting a church, just one other small one. Um, right now, my husband and I are planting a church and we had a, a leadership couple that was right alongside of us great 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 people um and they they came to a few of our meetings and uh, literally just said we just don't agree that holly speaks up when she doesn't agree with your strategy and i'm like oh wait a minute (laughs) so a male in this room can say that Uh hey i don't think it's not like i stand up and say like that's a dumb idea where'd you get that from i'm like very nice about it you know but you do that at home with him (laughs) yes exactly and i've been doing this for for years and so like if i think that we're about to like to me that's a loving thing if i think we're about to pull the trigger and spend hard-earned tithe dollars and you know the god's money on something that isn't right i feel like i'm going to stand before god for not saying something and so the the thought that somebody literally would walk away because as a female Mm. i don't have a voice in that room when i have collectively been in those rooms longer than anybody else in there you know what i mean and so it just it was really hard to wrap my head around. It hurt really, really bad because it was some great people. Um, but just don't don't believe that a female should be allowed to ever go against, you know, her husband in that kind of context. And I'm like, but we're both we're both like strategic leaders and we're both like planting this. Like yeah. we yeah. both want the Doing best thing together. and yeah. we're both good at this. Like, you know, yeah. and so I don't, I would never even want to be in the room if I'm just supposed to be a pretty girl in his arm. Like then, yeah. then I'll right. go get a massage and shop. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, the, the church that I lead, we have, we have six pastors and one of them is, is a woman. And as far as an executive role, we have our office manager is a, a female 
And even on our executive board team, we have husband wife teams together as as one because we want we want their voice. And my <laughs> wife, she's she's ill. She's been struggling physically for the last three years, and that's a whole other story. But I wouldn't make it without her voice. And mm-hmm. I think that it's so important for people like you to, to share your story because there are perhaps females listening right now who feel called to preach, who called to lead in an executive level, and they need to be given that chance. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I did. I think so much about like, and I would just say any, any female who's struggling with that, I have studied and studied and studied, and I would just say, study the context of the two verses that are constantly thrown at us. And you will see that if God has given you that gift, God is going to release you. He says, sons and daughters will prophesy. And he, he Jesus, and they never left the females out and God never left the females out. And so um, just study the context uh, for yourself. And it doesn't take long. It doesn't take much research, but I, I, I grieve over. Over. I'm so thankful for what Beth Moore is doing, and I'm so thankful that she has taken a stand. But what I grieve is that we've Beth Moore has an amazing gift. I just don't believe Beth Moore is the only female that's had that gift mm, in the last, yeah. you know, 20, 30 years. And I know there's a few others that we all know of, Priscilla Schreier, Christine Kane, but there's not, nothing in compared to the context of how many males we know of. Yeah. And um, I just, I just grieve over the thought of how many women had this burning desire. How many women, honestly, like myself, went through something like their father dying or losing somebody for this fire that was in it in they turned it to God and this fire was lit inside of them. And then it was quenched day after day after day. And they died with all that frustration, with all that fire in their bones because they were in, in a church and in an organization that just never ever would even recognize that God had given them that fire for a reason. And so I just feel like we've buried a lot of Beth Moore's and we don't even know it. You know, we don't even know how many we've buried. I mean, if you go back and look at, I'm so thankful that God has put me with leaders that, that haven't done that, but I know that's not everybody's story. And I literally, you can just look at like, why, why Beth Moore's and Joyce Myers, like the, these women of the, uh, 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 that are what I would call like my mentors in the faith, they had to leave the local church to, to, to work out their calling. And my dream and my passion is to pioneer a way that women don't have to walk outside of the local church and start their own ministry in order for their calling to be recognized. Um, I want to see Beth Morris rise up inside the local churches and uh, Joyce Myers and the church supports them and says, yes, what God has put inside of you, we need the church needs, you know, and, um, and it's good for us to hear from both male and female perspectives. Like that is so good for us to hear from that um, for all of us. And I think we're better people because of it. Like you said, with your wife, you're better. We're all better. I'm, better to hear people that have my husband's perspective and in 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 his wiring and his mindset and and vice versa i want him sometimes to hear from a female that's not me you know yeah. so there's so much to unpack there um but i think what what i'm hearing and what i'm seeing is what you're about to step into with the well the the church that you're planting is um not only are you feeling called with Chris to launch this, but also to um, show women in that area that they can be a part of the journey. And it's not just go and look after the kids, right? It's, it's, there's a, there's a God given purpose for every woman within the local church to be able to step into that. Um, Tell us a bit about the well and, and the journey that you're on, uh, you know, where you're at with it, um, and also you've mentioned some of the people who ha- are with you and aren't with you. <laughs> um, tell us a bit about the, how that has been and the differences between um, a campus, you know, like at Elevation and, and places like that, and actually planting this church a little ways out of Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. We're about 45 minutes south of Nashville. And we have been here, like I said, when we moved here, we were both hurting and honestly exhausted. We both kind of hit a wall. I hit it first and and got us down here and then he hit it and kept us here. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so this city has been honestly a place, the city, this home, this farm has just been a place that received Chris and I with open arms without like Chris and Holly, like not Chris and Holly ministry people, not Chris and Holly, you know, Chris, the Dave Ramsey person, just Chris and Holly, these broken Joe Schmoes that nobody knows and they have loved us and they've showed up on our doorstep and they've just let us breathe and uh, have just been alongside of us. And so in the meantime, God has just been building a love for this city in us and uh, for, for the people here. And we, there are a lot of churches here. We are in the South, but there is not a lot of people in love with Jesus. There is people that grandparents went to church and moms went to church, but they, but they're still, then they go to church, but they're still walking chained up. They're still bound by their chains. And so God just began to put in us um, just a, just a passion to, to, to honestly build here what we've seen. We've been a benefit of being able to see God do in, in, in a few different places all over this country, just an awakening that he brings when like the scales fall off and, we believe that's what he's calling us to, but we also believe that culture is changing and what people need um, from the local church. We still need Jesus, but what we need in the context of community and purpose in our own life is changing. And so we feel really called to start something that may not look like any other church, um, may not even look like my husband and I have planted campuses for churches all over, and we're actually not even going online. We're going to be a local church for local people. And uh, we believe that after a year of screen, 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 Um, We just need flesh and we need face-to-face contact and we need a hug and uh, we need a church that looks at people and says, how are you wired and how can we bring kingdom impact to what you're great at? Not how can what you're great at help us? Mm -hmm. So you're a businessman, so we need you to help set our budget or we need you to help. No, you're a businessman. What is your passion? Okay, your passion is for reaching kids who age out of foster care. Then how can the church build a ministry around reaching kids who age out of foster care. So we're, when people ask us our ministries, we look at them and say, when the people come, that's when we decide our ministry. So we are messy. Our organizational chart will not be nearly as clean as I've actually helped churches put together. Um, But we've got um, just great ministries already starting. We have a cafe that we're starting for students every day from 3.30 to 8.30 after school because God brought a lady that's run a restaurant before that has a passion for teenagers and there's nothing down here for teenagers. So we're building a, um, a teen community center on the backside of our building and And uh, we want kids to have a safe place to go. And we believe that we've got to reach people outside of Sunday morning first. And we're just not in a culture anymore that believes Sunday morning is the, there actually have very big doubts about Sunday mornings and very big hesitations about trusting the church. And so we've got to reach them exactly where they're at in their environment and let them learn. We're safe. You can trust us. And we want to help you. Um, dig up what God's put in you, not what we want you to become. That's to good. help us. It's so good, and it's so true. Um, you know, I help a lot of churches start dream centers and things like that. And <clears throat> they, one of the things that I find with churches is they want to do ministries in their church because it works at another church. Mm, and yes. and yet they forget that a lot of these churches that start something started because the DNA within that community was crying out for that. And so they bring something in and that DNA isn't there of that community and that ministry doesn't go. Right, and, right. And, Every church takes its own heartbeat. But we do, we go to conferences and we listen to somebody else's heartbeat and we're like, well, that worked. So let's take that home and do that. And and I think God needs us to be better leaders than that and better thinkers. And, and, and it's, it's, what is he brought? What is he doing? And, and even the resources, like those are great resources that he's given us and think in context of that and watch what he does. Um, And I've had a passion about that, even with campuses, like letting each. I don't know if you remember this, Andy, when, when you and I worked together, but I am just not as big of, of I, I went to so many conferences and they said they would teach you how to franchise. Right. And so they would say, like, we want Chick-fil-A, not not parties. And I'm like, well, honestly, 
Hardee's constantly sucks. Like it's, it's, it kept the same DNA too. Like, have you ever been to a good Hardee's? Like it keeps the same DNA, you know, and that's what we're doing, you know, or in, and so I think, you know, I just, I don't, I want leaders. I want, I want people that, that can think for themselves and that yeah. campus may not feel exactly like that campus, but it has a heartbeat yeah. that God has put inside that leader. And that leader is confident enough to say, God's going to do something through this. I don't have to become like my lead pastor or like the guy I heard at the conference in order for God to do something. God's going to do something. My passion is teens, but this other campus pastor's passion may be groups. And that's okay. God can work, start a revival through the teens over here and start a revival through discipleship over there. Like that's okay. He does it. And he is a creative God and he is a big God. And I feel like even in the church, we've actually signed or put him into these lanes of it's got to be through students. It's got to be through groups. It's got, no, what if it's through basketball? If he brought you a few, you know, some, some athletes that love Jesus, well, Hey, Let's go to the streets with some basketballs yeah. and, and show our children that the passions God put inside of them, he can use Jesus as in everything yeah. that we open our hands up and say, Jesus, you can have this. Do something with it. That's good. That is so good and so true. When I was a young 20-something, my wife and I, 23 years ago, this Sunday, planted our church. And prior to moving here to, to plant, we were living in Tulsa, Bible Belt Mecca and a part of Willie George's church, which is now led by, by Whit George, you know, church on a move and seats conference and all that. And we were part of, of, of another church as well and a, and a national ministry there. So we were, that's what we were exposed to. So we felt we could just duplicate what God was doing in Tulsa. We could do it here in Peoria. And we found out really quick. I just found this vision, uh, a vision booklet two nights ago digging through some boxes of all of our dreams and our five-year plan. And I mean, all that went out the window right away. As soon as we got to town, we realized we had to be the church God was calling us to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when we launched the Dream Center, the first thing that we did was we went out to L.A. Well, the L.A. Dream Center is touching 50,000 people a week. <laughs> There's 100,000 people that live in Peoria. So... <laughs> So we, we, we knew immediately the DNA for there was not the same as for here. We had to go and, and I talk a lot about with, with the churches, what are the cries of the city that you're hearing? What are the cries from within the city? And then you go and meet that need. You bring healing to those cries. And that's, that's so true, not just for a nonprofit, but for churches as well. What are the cries that you can really reach out to and, and touch uh, in in the city. So, Holly, yeah. you're doing it. Yeah, with the well. I'm excited about the well. I really am. I love what I've seen so far, and definitely, I'm cheering you guys on. Thank you, thank you so much. We are um, just, we're, we can feel God moving here. So we're just, God, just let us be a part of what you're doing. So that's good. Well, what we want you to do, if if you would, we would love for you. Uh, to pray into some of these things that you may have shared, maybe women in ministry, maybe uh, planting church, wh whatever you feel, we'd love for you to just uh, pray into that. I know there's there's folks that are listening that, that would love to join us in prayer. Chuck, you got something? Yeah, and maybe someone who's listening who is jaded because of an experience in the church, you know, um, and maybe you struck a nerve um, based on your experience, some of the things that you went through when, I mean, there's people that have been just, just burned out or, or hurt by a church and maybe when you're praying we can you can speak to that as well i know that absolutely. you've touched on a lot of things and i know it's gonna help a lot of people absolutely i can certainly do that let's pray god i just thank you so much for conversations that anchor around you and what you're doing in our world and in our generation and just even looking back and reflecting what you've done um, in my own life. God, I thank you for that. And right now, I just want to lift up our listeners. And God, I want to lift up um, the the woman who who maybe has this burning desire in them. And and, and maybe it's not for full-time ministry, but maybe it's to, to lead at a volunteer level in their church, or maybe it's to start a nonprofit or um, just to run after a passion that you've put inside of them. And God, I just pray that you will, that this conversation hopefully has fanned that flame, that maybe that fire that was beginning to dwindle is just starting to rise up again. And God, I pray that you would just give her the confidence that there are good people um, that love you, 
that 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 do believe in what you've put inside of her god there that that you will bring people that see that gift that will help fan that flame and god i just pray that um she will be just re-energized and reignited and determined um to to even if it's the even if she is the first person inside her community of believers as a female to step um towards pursuing what you've put inside of her in a leadership level god i just pray that you give her the courage to pioneer to be brave and to step forward knowing that 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 you've given this to her and um, as she steps forward other women will be watching that that have the same fires and the same burning inside of them that don't know what to do with it and feel frustrated with what you've given them and they'll be watching and they'll be learning and her step forward her step of courage could help open up so many so many doors and um, just uh, bring courage to other women so I pray for her God I pray for those who are listening that maybe were uh, hurt by a church, whether that was uh, as an attendee, whether that was staff, whether that was a lead pastor. God, I just pray right now that you just allow them to see in the context of, of your body that we are just all a bunch of people and, and, and we're messy and we hurt each other. God, I've been hurt, but I've also hurt people. And in God, I pray that you just help us to realize that, um, we only get hurt by things we love. And so if it doesn't love me, if I don't love it, it doesn't hurt me. It's not a big deal to be rejected by something I don't care about. It's not a big deal to be cut off um, from a group of people I cared nothing about, but it hurts because we loved. And so God, I just pray that you will remind those, those of us that have been hurt, how much we have loved your body, how much we have loved the bride of Christ. And God, I just pray that you repair that and you restore that and you just bring back the place of, of love for your body. And you show them that, um, that through their hurt, their new passions are birthed, um, uh, new boundaries are set that help us stay healthier in the long run. But God, I just pray that every single person that is that is hurt, God, that they will allow you to bandage those wounds, to heal those wounds. And those scars will forever be a reminder, not of what hurt them, but of what they loved so deeply that they were scarred. And scars, God, are reminders, but they don't, they don't have pain anymore. And so, God, I just pray that you will allow them to go through that healing process, allow them to open up their hearts one more time to to be to be healed with your comfort and with your love and then god i pray that whatever calling you put inside of them god that you would just let them know that if they are still alive that calling still stands that nothing that they have done that that nothing that has been done to them that nothing that's been said about them can ever ever erase that call that you've put in them and god i just pray today that people will be reignited towards their calling and that their hearts will begin to open um, um, just towards your body and that love, um, that they begin to love your body again. We love you. I thank you for everyone who's listening. Bless them in their kingdom work and their kingdom assignments. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Holly, thank you so much. Uh, I know there's going to be people who are wanting to connect with you. Can you uh, let us, just let us in. I know you've got uh, obviously the farm and everything else. What is the best way for people to just follow you, not in a stalker way, but, but on social media and things like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram at Holly Brown 11 and I'm on Twitter at Holly Brown one. Um, don't follow me on Facebook. That's been hacked for a long time. I can't get on it. <laughs> so don't hold me to anything that's been posted on there in the last few years because I don't own it anymore. Somebody else has it. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, please uh, make sure you're following. Oh, and what about the farm? How can- The farm you can follow uh, on Instagram at Mealtown Farm. Mule Town Farm. I think Chuck is your number one uh, fan on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Chuck. (laughs) Uh, Well, we we always do at the end of the the podcast, uh, the big three, which are three questions that have got nothing to do with what we just talked about. Um, But but why not, Chuck? Do you want to start start with this? All right. um, I'm going to start. First question, Holly, is this. Um, You shared earlier that Luke Bryan and Jordan Davis stopped by Milltown Farm. So if you have to pick one to listen to, who are you going with? Of those two? <laughs> yeah, Luke oh. Bryan or Jordan Davis. 
Okay, I'm gonna have to say Jordan Davis. All right, all right, oh, all right. okay, okay. Um, we're talking about the farm again. What animal will you not allow on the farm? Ooh, um, <laughs> my goodness. I, you know what? I just spent two hours last night researching pigs because <laughs> I really thought I wanted a pig, and now I'm thinking no. Um, I think probably not allow would be cows. Just because I'm there, the horses are big, uh, cows that just scares me a little yeah, bit, yeah, I, I th- yeah, <laughs> unless, unless you're doing it for the beef, then we're okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I would love it for that, but I think I'm actually gonna try sheep lamb. I've just, oh, um, no, I've just, no. I, I actually, after my two hours of pig <laughs> research, I spent an hour <laughs> researching sheep, and they actually are, um, very good they're like grown bigger dogs and so i'm, I'm excited to tackle sheep next my dad is from wales <laughs> my dad's from wales uh which is just off the side of england i know i've just offended every welshman listening but um, but there are more sheep in wales than humans oh you know wow that? yeah wow yeah wherever you go in the all over the place that yeah yeah, so there you go. Okay, that's when we're, we're watching movies and just sheep are wandering around. The yeah, world. on the crown whenever yeah, they go to yeah. Wales, there's sheep yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, All right. okay. Third, qu- <laughs> third question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, do you like euros? No, I'm kidding. Um, so, third question. Favorite campfire food? Favorite campfire food? Oh. Um... <laughs> Okay, I'm so sorry. This is how bad I am. I only can think of marshmallows or hot dogs. It was probably a bad question. <laughs> my menu, like even for my home, would have about six things that Holly Brown can cook, <laughs> and my poor husband's been recycling the six things for 21 years. So, um, in my mind, I'm going to go with marshmallows. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good, 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 good. good deal. Well, Holly, it's been great having you on Revival Town Podcast. Uh, we love following everything that you and Chris are doing. I am thankful that uh, our lives uh, connected many years ago and I, I know what you're about to launch just from what I experienced back then at Crosspoint, but what you're about to launch at the well is going to explode and we can't wait to follow the journey. So thank you so much for, for coming on today. Thank you guys so much for having yeah, thank me. Thank you. Great talking with you. I told you you would enjoy her conversation. You know what? That was great. I really, really did. You know, people um, were taking notes. Hopefully, yeah. I, in fact, we should have played Jordan's Davis's song about dirt coming out of there. I think that would have been appropriate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, that was great. Good stuff. Thank you, Holly. Holly, you, uh, you know, she she brings she has a passion in her for leadership that. Um, I think sometimes some leaders need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. She lives and breathes it. And with yeah, her she's a leader's leader. She's absolutely. not just a leader. She's a leader's leader. Yeah. And she, uh, with Chris, uh, launching this church. If you're ever down the Nashville area, just 45 minutes out, uh, you definitely go and visit. I'm not sure when they're opening. It's, it's fairly soon that they're opening, but uh, definitely go and visit them. Uh, tell them Chuck and Andy sent you. You know, check but, it out. You know, I mean, we're gonna have to visit someday. I mean, well. they're doing great stuff. Yeah, you know what's next though? I do. It's time for <laughs> date is right. <laughs> okay, I've got a good one today. I might just drop it out right now. You ready? Yes. Are you taking the Mickey? What? Are you taking the Mickey? Am I taking the Mickey? Are you taking the Mickey? Well, this is Mickey Mouse. I don't know. <laughs> taking the Mickey. If I am, I taking the Mickey. Now, for those that are listening right now for the first time, you're probably thinking, "What is going on?" Like, I thought this was a Christian thing. Um, obviously, I'm not from around these parts, uh, and so we do this thing called Taking His Mate, where I throw an English saying. A Are you looking that up on Google? <laughs> no. Were you doing that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh. Uh, oh man, no. Okay, okay. so mustard. <laughs> uh, so um, I, taking a Mickey. I've never even heard of that. So it's an English saying. Yeah, Take, taking the Mickey. Um. Okay. This. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. 
if I should say this or not, but my only guess, the only thing that comes to mind is taking a pee. I'm taking a Mickey. <laughs> I just had too much sweet tea, Andy. I'm going to go take a Mickey. I'm, I'm serious. I'm clueless. I mean, it, it actually means I got I got last week's, but this one I don't. Yeah. Man, it actually means um, taking the mock or taking uh, a joke or ridiculing or scoffing at something. Are you taking the Mickey? Like, are you? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. type. Of, now, I don't want to tell you the original original because when you said taking the pee, it actually meant the other <laughs> taking the pee. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, I got, I got, some, I got some pushback on Twitter. Are you taking a Mickey? <laughs> oh, so that's what it means. It's an expression meaning to mock. Are you taking the Mickey? Are you, take, are you taking, taking a, a Mickey? Mickey? Like, are you mocking me or what? You know yeah, that you type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you taking a Mickey? Are you taking a Mickey? Scoffing at me? Yeah. 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 So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Thanks, man. This is always fun. I know it is. I know it is. I know. We have a good time. We'll, well, Chuck, it is that time of the week where we have to say goodbye to everyone. I'm so glad we do this every week. Yeah, because we can say hello next week. We'll say hello next week. In the meantime, leave us a message. Go to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Click on Listen. That will take you to a page where you will have an opportunity to click on a button that says Message Us. And leave us a voice message, and we might just play it like we have the last several episodes. We've yeah. had a lot of people do this, so it's cool. Be sure to contact us and also make sure you're following us on social media as well. Uh, we have a few things that we post during the week and uh, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy some of the, the content that we throw up on there. So <clears throat> again, Chuck, love doing this with you. Uh, appreciate you and your family and uh, I'll see you next hey, week. Likewise, Andy. Love you guys. We'll All see right. you next week. Right, bye. For listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com. Smile on your face.